Lust is a poor, weak, whimpering, whispering thing compared with that richness and energy of desire which will arise when lust has been killed. C.S. Lewis. All right, so we've finally arrived at the deadly sin of lust. And I know you've all been waiting anxiously or perhaps eagerly for me to uh, cover this topic from a writing perspective. How on earth can lust uh, be uh, even talked about in the in the realm of creativity, aside from writing perhaps erotica fiction? So uh, I'm not going to be talking about uh, any kind of erotica. I'm not going to be doing any anything like that. So I, you know, if your hopes were high that that would be a tutorial that I would be covering today uh, in this episode, then I, I must disappoint you. I'm very sorry. Actually, I'm not really that sorry, <laughs> but if that was the reason why you clicked on this, uh, I will still encourage you to stick around because I want to talk through this, this sin of lust and how on earth it might actually relate to uh, writing pursuits, creative pursuits, things like that, because uh, just like all the other deadly sins that I've been covering in this series, these all have to do with self-indulgences. So there's some kind of selfishness about it. And writing, as I've come to realize over the course of my very short life, is as much a personal expression as it is something that can be used to help other people. And now I know a lot of people express their art for the sake of therapy. I mean, I, there's a lot of things that I write about that are for therapeutic reasons. But when it comes to what can motivate me to want to share and just kind of breathe some breaths into other people, that's where writing, I think, can really have some power and some, some real gusto to really help some people. So, so keeping that in mind, that's what we're going to be tackling in this episode today of The Writer's Lens, specifically dealing with this, uh, this pitfall of lust and I honestly, uh, I had a little bit of difficulty coming up with exactly how I was going to do this because when I started doing the seven deadly sins, I didn't have a real big agenda in mind. I just thought like, okay, if I'm only filled with anger, like for the topic of wrath, which I did, which I did last time, that's a pretty easy one to cover when it comes to writing. How if we were only speaking from places of anger and hurt, does that really give us a space to heal eventually? I mean, we are only focusing on the thing that has driven us to write with sort of this this sense of malice and injustice that we have to we have to discuss that's a little bit easier i think on the on the outside looking in or perhaps from the inside looking out as well as uh, things that i haven't even covered yet like pride i haven't covered pride yet but this sin is one that seems a little bit more tangible versus intangible because lust, as we know, deals with an infatuation with another person or towards something. In a much broader sense, lust is about, you know, you lust after something that you desire it so completely that you negate everything else around you. And if you think about that from a bit of a, you know, creative mindset or from a writer's lens, uh, such as with this podcast, that can become a very easy thing to do. Uh, because if we set our goals on something so wholeheartedly, uh, we can end up basically ignoring a lot of other priorities in our life. And, and that's kind of the angle I want to take with this. And it was also the angle uh, considering uh, the, the quote that I started off with from one of my all-time favorites, C.S. Lewis, talking about lust and how once lust has been killed, there's something even greater that arises out of us in place of lust, which is sort of this blind infatuation 
that uh, propels us forward to our own selfish uh, end goals. And uh, indeed, he's talking about more of a greater love. Uh, so that's a little bit of a spoiler for what's further down the line in this series. But, but let's tackle this first as far as lust is concerned. Now, as I said before, when we think of lust, we think of sort of romantic pursuits or perhaps an infatuation with somebody or there's some kind of innate physical desire that we have for another person. But as I was talking about earlier in this episode, lust can actually be twofold in that we could be going after someone, but we could also be going after something. And when I think about the way that I tell stories and when I really get my mind wrapped around an idea or a concept, I can go after it with 110% force. And that's not always a good thing. I can really, really get myself caught up in the idea that this idea, this next one that I've come up with, is the best idea ever. It's the greatest idea ever been ever been conceived, right? It's the it's the best story ever going to be told. It's the best book idea that's ever been concocted or conjured up. And I'm going to f- go after this thing because everybody needs to know about it because I know about it. So, in in a way, there's a there's a bit of a a strong motivation there to share. But there's also a strong motivation for sort of self-glory. And that's an, that's what I think comes out of the sin of lust the most, is that there's something being glorified about ourselves in this pursuit that we have uh, going after something. So the first one, there's, there's three of these that I have for this episode. The first one, is, as I've already kind of keyed into, is being obsessed with the idea. You know, having an incredible infatuation with our idea that we just... We kind of throw caution to the wind in such a way that it becomes our own primary focus and it's the only thing that can ultimately give us joy. Now, when I think about my kids or I think about my marriage or even my close friends, many of those things give me joy. Okay, it's not the centerpiece of my joy. I do try to protect those things. I look after those things. I, uh, I'm a very relational person, so uh, I, I tend to try and keep very good inventory on my relationships. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you feel like I've been slighted or I've slighted you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not I did not mean to do that uh, in the moment. But, but uh, I try to be someone that's cognizant of a lot of different sort of social cues. Try to be. Again, like I said, try to be. Uh, because that's something that's very important to me is our social relationships. So... Keeping that in mind, when I do get an idea as a writer, if I do get some kind of concept that strikes me, I can get, I can, I, I mean, I can just deep dive into this thing and I don't think about anything else. And I know many writers or artists will say, well, that's part of the, you know, the double-edged sword of being an artistic or creative type is that you are the type of person that you know you have something good to say or you have something good to share with people. So you kind of have to block everything else out. And you just have to almost suffer for your art to make this idea come to come to light. I would completely disagree with that. Because, again, uh, we don't want to be in a situation where this is our only source of joy. This is going to be our only source of hope that's going to make us identify with something. Uh, we don't want that to be our end goal. And many artists, I think, get caught up in this. I mean, I was just reading uh, the book Starving Artist, or Real Artists Don't Starve by Jeff Goins. And I, I read this some time ago, but it still comes back to me because it's got a lot of good nuggets in it. 
and he he primarily puts a dent in the idea of the starving artist, you know, the person who th- who throws away everything and then he comes back to it and says, you know, I, I this is the only thing that's ever going to matter to me is finishing this book or doing this painting or whatever it is, and that's a big uh, that's a big lie for any artist to believe in. It's a big lie that we that we would convince ourselves that that's the only thing that's going to give us joy in our life. Now, years ago, I thought when I was writing my books that they would help establish me, that they would help me get to where I am as a as an individual, and I would have all kinds of praise and and, and welcome, congratulations, and all kinds of things. But again, think about where that motivation is driving out of. It's driving out of sort of self-glorification. So this is something to be very uh, conscious of as we're going through our writing journey or creative journey is if it's all about me, if it's all about self-glorifying, then maybe I am lusting after something. Maybe I am lusting after this concept that I am going to be the only reason why anybody picks this up. And again, your personality and your, your character, I mean, the age of social media, let's, you know, don't, don't hear me wrong on that. Many character traits or attributes that you have on social media, if you're a, if you're a social platformer, can invite people in to, to like your work. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think that there is that separation that we have to be able to make uh, with our work. So that's number one. So number two then is having a bit of an infatuation with the process creatively. So as a writer, uh, there's always this kind of romantic voyage that you're on when you're writing a book or you're writing a story. This, the, this idea that you have is, is bad enough, but there's also this process that comes with it. There's the sitting down, there's the, you know, the outlining that you might do, there's the, the endless notes and sticky tabs that you might be putting information on. There could be, you know, the draft, the rewrite, the rewrite again, sort of this <clears throat> incredible infatuation with the process and perfecting things, right? Making it the greatest, the most amazing thing ever. Yes, you want to achieve success. Yes, you want it to be right. You want to be at peace with it before you let it out into the masses. But being infatuated with the process and kind of going out and telling people about it, and like th- this is where I think it becomes a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of murky waters, is that if I'm, if I'm telling people, hey, I'm writing a book, and they come up and they start asking me about it, and all I can tell them is, well, this is where I'm at, and man, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a trudge, you know, I'm trudging through all kinds of, you know, dirt and grime and get this thing done. And, and if I'm not careful, that message can essentially become who I am for a long time. Now, I've been writing The Shadow of Mars for about three and a half years, which is roughly twice as long as what it took me to write The Road to Mars. Now, a lot of that has to do with, you know, time of life, season of life. And, you know, back when I was writing The Road to Mars, I was not married yet. I didn't have any kids. So there was a lot more free time for me. But this concept of the process and what it takes to to get from beginning to end, you want to eventually get to the end of your work. Okay, I, I, this is another thing I, I think as creatives you we really struggle with is that you can be very hard on yourself for writing or not writing. So feeling like the, you have to put burdens on yourself to to finish this thing and, and tell people about it and let them know that this is what you're doing. I think that this can be good and bad, obviously, and there has to be some moderation there. 
but you don't want that to be your identity as to who you are, is that you're just this person that's always got his back up against the wall and you're, you're always just trying to get to the next level of your writing and you're almost trying to force inspiration and you're, you're, this process has just become such a, you know, such a labor of love to yourself. When in fact, it's not really a labor of love. It's become a true labor. It's become something that has kind of encapsulated and consumed you. So this infatuation with the process can also be a pitfall for us as creatives, and it's something we have to watch out for. Uh, you know, I, I took a whole two months break from the Shadow of Mars uh, this past holiday, just because I was so frustrated with it that it, I was literally forcing myself to write a sentence. And I thought to myself, why am I doing this? Right? I had to pull back, like making myself take a whole half hour just to write a paragraph. Like that's not me at all. Something was plugging me up, so I had to literally pull back. And in, in my personal view, just really kind of going, all right, God, what is, what's the deal here? Why, why am I not getting through this, this wall? Uh, you know, what is it that's plugging me up? And literally it was a lot, of, a lot of it had to do with stress. A lot of it had to do with just the holidays and things that were going on at the time. And that I also had some competing ideas that I didn't realize I was very much trying to get out as well. So taking a step back when we're plugged up, taking a step back and not being so obsessed with the process of bringing this thing to fruition, uh, that's also helpful for us to do. So we don't want to lust after the process, right? We don't, we don't want to lust after our, our creative processes. So that's number two. So we have, like I said, the, the infatuation with the idea, the infatuation with the process. And, and lastly, and this is something I've, I've touched on the other two, is, is really having this infatuation with our identity as a writer or our identity as a creative. Like, we don't want ourselves to be totally wrapped up in, hey, I'm Josh, J.C. Alfelto, the author, and that's all that I am. Like, you can't control people's public opinions of you. Okay, you can't control the public's opinion or their perception of you, but you can work hard at it to to have a, a sort of a public profile. I mean, you most certainly can, but at the end of the day, you can't control what people think of you. I mean, you just, that's reality. I hate to burst anyone's bubble that's listening to this, but that's that's just reality. And if you have this mindset of, this is my identity, people have to be force-fed this, people have to listen to me because I'm the author, I'm the writer, again, this creates a lot of potential pitfalls for us, uh, not just, I think, from a writing standpoint or even a creative standpoint, but just in general, okay, our relationships will suffer. Uh, you know, we may suffer in some way because... We have other roles. There are other things that we're known for other than just being a creative or an entrepreneur or a writer or an artist or a painter, whatever it is, okay? You know, I have several different roles that I play every single day. You know, coworker, father, husband, uh, son, brother. You know, there's all kinds of roles that I fit into. And author, writer, creative, I mean, that's just one of them, okay? That's just one of them. It is not the end of my day. This is who I, I go to bed at night and I, I have a notepad next to me, I wake up, I keep writing again. Okay, you could do that, all right? I'm not trying to kill anyone's, you know, disciplines or their habits for where they get inspiration, but that's not who I am in my entirety. Okay, that's not who I am in my entirety. That's not who I'm supposed to be in my entirety. And if I become infatuated with this, if I, if I lust after this idea of this is who I am and that's all that I am, Again, that puts us on a very unsteady plane, which will eventually teeter and fall, and and uh, and then we ourselves 
will fall from that very mightily. Um, so something I've been humbled in a lot, actually, as a, as a writer. In fact, one of the reasons why, a little bit of self-disclosure here, I think one of the reasons why I've had such a long haul from one book to the next is that I really think that I'm getting taught more and more how my identity is not wrapped up in being a creative. It's not wrapped up in being just a writer because, again, it's so easy to get notoriety for being a creative, for being someone who's not afraid to put themselves out there. Because, you know, let's be honest too, it's very difficult to put yourself out there and put your expression of who you are, what you believe in, your ideas. It's very difficult to put these things out there and to get them into some kind of cohesive argument. It's a difficult thing to do. I mean, business owners would know this too, putting all the pieces together to start up a business or to even maintain a business. Okay, if you're more of a business type person, you're listening to this and you're like, why am I still listening to this? <laughs> this is all about maybe writing a book or a fiction book. No, this is for, I think, all, all writers, anyone who's writing a book, um, if, even if it's a business type book, it is so easy to try and make this into who we are as a creative because of the notoriety that can come with it. Because people that we've never met before can be touched by our work, and we know that. We know that in ourselves, that what we do, what we express, could touch someone halfway across the earth, and we'd never know the wiser. But the other thing that I think is humbling about that is that that's not really our focus. Our focus is the message. Our focus is refining our, our, our skill sets. The focus is, um, is this life-giving to me? Is it life-giving to me in that there are people that are encouraging me, that I'm encouraging them? There has to be something that we're giving back in the work that we do. Uh, otherwise, it is all about self-glorification. And if we are only focused on helping that person across the world so that we can get the credit for the idea, then again, it's time to take a step back. Now, I'm not the best person at this. Okay, I'm not. I, I'm not saying that just so I can kind of relieve myself from this this burden because I do think about it. You know, like I said, you know, just being transparent, I do think about that. Like, oh, my writing could change someone's life. It could steer them away from something bad. It could make them think about something in a new light. And yes, that should be, I think, a part of the message and what I'm hoping to accomplish. And I need to take inventory on myself about those things. But I can't just live there all the time. I can't just live there with the pressure of, changing people's perspectives and uh, kind of force-feeding people with new ideas. That's not where my focus ought to be. Because if that's where my focus is, then that is my whole identity as an author, as a, as a creative. Then I need to take a step back from them and say, okay, let's get back to basics. What's my message? You know, what is it that I feel that I've been compelled to write about, to tell people about, to share with others, and to ultimately, hopefully, encourage and help each other's help other people through. So so that is the sin of lust and how I believe it can hinder us as writers and creatives. Again, if you thought this was going to be an exploration into erotica or anything like that, I apologize. Well, actually, I don't apologize, like I said. <laughs> I, I told you at the very beginning, a full disclaimer, this was going to be nothing like that of the sort. So I hope you enjoyed this, even if your hopes were dashed. Uh, to talk about it, because everyone loves talking about sex, let's just be honest. But uh, in this in this regard, this was more of the feeling behind what it can what it can look like uh, to lust after something. So so again, uh, thanks for checking this out, everyone. Uh, really appreciate all the support that we've been getting here on the Writer's Lens. 
Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Share it with a friend who might be a creative or writing, uh, writer type. I'm also on Google Play now. So for anyone who has Google Play, I don't know if that's a really big platform these days, uh, but you know, you find me on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, of course. I'm out there on all the, the major hosting sites as far as podcasts go, so you can find me there. If it's easier for you than, you know, picking this up through Facebook or Twitter or Podbean or anything else. So, again, thanks for checking this out. Next time, I'll be talking about the narrative wars. And then we'll be back to the seven deadly sins talking about sloth. So, until then, guys, have a great rest of your week. This is Josh A.C. Alfalto for The Writer's Lines.